Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Raph, we're back once again. Here we are once again. We're joined. <laughs> dude, uh, welcome back. Dude, thank you. We're joined once again by two very special guests. Irish tea. I actually don't know how you want to be announced, Sean. <laughs> you can... That's my gamer. That's my PSN name and my Steam name. You can add me on there if you want to play some games. There you um, go. My name is Sean Walsh Brown. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram under that name. Well, I really is... hope you get game invites out of this. Well, <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so weird. Uh, and that other disembodied voice you just heard is, of course, Fernando Bowles. He has. He's he, gone, guys. He, he's back, Nan. It's good to have you. Yeah, sure. Back for now. So here we are. <laughs> Come, um, coming in last minute to to save the show. Yeah. Yes. Here we got. We were there was originally going to be six of us. Uh, bananas had a birthday, and three cats had to work. So we're here. Yeah. The uh, unemployed. Which, yes, the unemployed. <laughs> the unemployed are here. Yeah, even though we're all employed, which is nice. It's a nice change. Yes. <laughs> it's all yeah. Wrong. Yeah, my My calling is podcasting. Yes. Uh, So, in slightly uh, slightly different fashion today, we're not going to be discussing a specific film. We're going to be talking about content news. Content. Yeah. uh, What happened this week, guys? Do we have Uh, a a, a content air horn that plays whenever we talk about content? (laughs) (laughs) I think this might be our first. this might be our first like movie. No, this isn't. We did uh, when it went. So okay, it always comes back to Warner, right? Because when Warner Brothers announced that they were going to release their 2021 movie schedule oh, um, in right. theaters and on yeah. HBO Max same right. day, we did that um, sort of announcement as an episode. Yeah. Um, and that was like a really fun, happy episode because we were like, "Cool, we get to watch Dune and Matrix Four from the comfort of our own homes, or we can go see them in theaters. Um, mm. And this Thank episode God is like, the sky, the sky is falling down on us, and uh, the future of, of media, you know, television yeah. and movies mm. is sort of imploding on itself. Um, once again, thanks to, to HBO Max. Sure. <laughs> it's not a healthy <laughs> environment where uh, all of our discourse and our relative happiness or sadness is determined entirely by uh, arbitrary CEO PowerPoint slides, right? What, like whatever accounting jerk off showed whatever PowerPoint to the CEO, right? Like that's what's determining our episodes, right? And our general dispositions. That's a, that's it's not a it's not a great environment for lots of reasons, right? Because so much power uh, is consolidated into so few hands, right? So you know, hundreds of thousands of hours of great work, right? Uh, people's jobs, the whole industry kind of turns on these very large decisions. Um, so we're all just kind of thrown in the hurricane. You know, it's pretty well, annoying. I would say. Now that we've gotten the uh, optimistic outlook on it, can we hear? <laughs> <laughs> it's what, it's what controls our lives, man. Like, I mean, we're all, we're all on the internet. We're all on our phones. We're on Twitter. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. It's like, all we see is just content. People talking about content. Like, it's like, I feel like it's becoming like my second and third and fourth language. You know, it's like, I think in, in, terms of like content creation and like leaks and spoilers and discussion and stuff. I don't know. It's like, it, it's become such a huge part of all of our lives. Yeah. The world has made bloggers of us all. It's actually pretty annoying. Yeah, it really has. Andy Warhol said it best. He said, one day everybody will have their 15 minutes of fame. And little did we know it would suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. 15 Andy, seconds over and over. 
Andy Warhol did say it best. He's like, one day Discovery will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one day there's gonna be so much content. He said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think would, would, be re- would we call Andy Warhol a content creator? Uh, he might be the original every artist, content creator. Right? We have to yeah. retroactively say everyone who worked under the Borgias or whatever, right? Oh, it's good, <laughs> good sculpture content. You got yeah. Michelangelo. Thanks. Yeah. Certainly seventy more. Certainly none of Andy Andy's Warhol. Certainly none of Andy Warhol's content uh, is streaming. Um, but That's yes, right. yeah. it, it is good mm. as content. I think. I actually, wonder, yeah. can you stream his films anywhere? Is, Sorry, this is a side topic. I'm going to mute myself. Uh, I, I think, think that they're on YouTube. Yeah. I think Do that research. Oh, just like okay. weird art stuff. You know, our YouTube's a big haven for for that stuff. But uh, isn't, isn't he kind of the first artist to sort of blur that line between what is art and what is I guess yeah, it wasn't co- called commercialism, content, but like yeah, what is yeah, right. what is commercialism? Like what is exactly. simply there yeah. for the sake of right, of right. Uh, consumerism? If I paint a paint uh, the soup can or whatever, uh, yeah, uh, someone should uh, someone should paint the iPhone and say, "Hey, this is art." Um, it seems to be <laughs> stream.warhol.org. It seems like the Andy Warhol uh, like in- institute or whatever seems to yeah, have like yeah. all this stuff streaming. Sure. Uh, not to get too down the rebel. Uh, Andy Warhol, uh, we know him to be a child rapist, uh, so like he's not getting the straight to DVD endorsement. Um, we're just using him as an example of just like the way that culture elevates artists and demands really accessible things from them. You know, just like oh, give me something that I can recognize or whatever. So like Warhol was like very keyed into oh, what if you slightly didn't recognize it this way? Wouldn't that change your perspective? And that's like everything now. Um, constant self-reference, right? Constant, uh, tiny, uh, uh, subversions or whatever. Um, so there you go. We're just like, we're living in the hellscape made by people like Warhol, um, and also of our own making. Um, so here we are dealing with the consequences of it as the CEOs say, oh, uh, that was too subversive when you made those little tweaks. Now we're going to spend billions and billions of dollars on making sure that those never happen again, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's its own sadness. Fantastic. Now uh, let's hear the negative side of that point, uh, Raf. <laughs> um, no, I just, I just didn't know that Andy Warhol was uh, was a child rapist. But oh, I was going to say yeah. before we get any further, we're that's an easy Google. We're, we're like we're like maybe five minutes in, and I just want to say on the front end the irony of us sitting here and doing a podcast about how shitty it is that everything is turning into content while ourselves trying to capitalize on. The content business is yeah, like pretty uh, funny. So yeah. we no would be total assholes. Podcasting, dude. <laughs> yeah, we would. We would be total assholes to not uh, just acknowledge that that irony that we're a hundred percent contributing to the shitty situation that we're here complaining about. Mm. That's right. It, it's like a land acknowledgement, right? Instead of saying, you know, the, the, the Lenape were here in Brooklyn, we have to say uh, we are willful <laughs> participants in our own destruction. <laughs> I would much rather be a willful participant actively contributing towards my own destruction than to just let myself be destroyed, I think. Uh, yeah. Whoa, well, that's what the companies love to hear. They really want you to get in the game. <laughs> yeah. And that leads to complaining that, is... Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think like us sitting here and complaining is important. Um, I think we... Obviously, we don't represent all audience members, but I feel like we represent like a good portion of people of the, you know, consuming audience, you know, folks who like media, folks who watch and consume content. So um, 
like these complaints are real. It's not just us. Like this is a legitimate fear that people have yeah, that we that, that that monsters like Discovery plus HBO Max or whatever the hell it's going to be called HBO Discovery plus Max or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Discover is, HBO. Discover your home box. Discover, discover the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Discover your box home, at home. home yeah. dis- <laughs> discover the home new discovery box. <laughs> home discovery box. Ooh, that's cute. Oh, very cute. Somebody get what's his fuck on the on the line. That's love. Oh, get get that into new PowerPoint up there. <laughs> different, different fucking. <laughs> I also think. Yeah, we've got a while and we haven't really explained what happened, but I would assume that anyone who is sort of like keyed into media news and. Or yeah. is just like generally on the internet is probably aware of what we're referring to and what we yeah. will be discussing in this episode. So I don't think we necessarily need to like go into what the specifics are. Unless sure. you the guys CNN talking heads, they don't waste time explaining the situations. They just give a take on it. We yeah. are all making our own CNN here. Uh, yeah, um, and I think I, obviously the the you know the title of the episode I think will heavily. <laughs> imply <laughs> what this Discovery is about home box but, you know for, for anyone who didn't read the title and somehow landed here uh, <laughs> this is um ob- we are discussing of course that discovery has purchased hbo and War- warner yeah. as a whole right warner bros as a, as a whole uh, that's right yeah yeah warner the whole, as a whole. studio everything they, they determine and, what's yeah. going to get made and who gets fired there there you go uh so that yeah, that's what this is about. It's a, it's it's about the monopolization of content, yeah, and how and and how it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's... specifically the the strange incongruous nature of something like HBO, which is like the premier television like service and channel, merging with something like Discovery Plus, which is sort of like to me it feels very much like the polar opposite in terms of like content. You know, it's just more digestible stuff there's a lot of like reality tv a lot of nature stuff like that and it's like how are this the fact that this conglomeration of companies has brought these two together is just such an absurd concept i think that's what kind of blew our minds we were like wait a minute (laughs) yeah what are these two doing together well rap was just saying how how many uh questions are wrapped up in all of these issues um uh, you know there's a lot of labor stuff happening right who gets to decide uh, what are the kinds of um, modes of labor, right? What are the what are the ways that productions function at the most essential levels? So you're saying, oh, how does Discovery have the scale of something to uh, to outright purchase HBO and the Warner Brothers portfolio or whatever? Well, we're seeing the advantages of that. They're just a lot more fucking liquid because all of their productions are just like you said, right? Nature and reality or whatever. What does that mean? No unions. Uh, it means many fewer protections, right? It means a lot more turnover. It means a lot less care for, you know, to say nothing about like scripts and editing and all that shit, uh, you know, just at every level, right? It's a cost saving measure to say, what if we, what if we shape the industry around these labor practices and persuade people that it's even more fun or even more interesting or engaging or whatever. Um, so HBO, right, has, has had the space to not have to play that game, to kind of concentrate on this vision of the premium prestige cable, right, and, and all the things that that can imply and the ways that the, that can be explored, um, but just it didn't grow fast enough, right? The Between the tortoise and the hare over here, uh, we're seeing the hare totally kick the tortoise's ass, um, and that's kind of annoying for people who want to see a good race um, and for people who want, like, a good outcome or whatever. We're just like, oh, what if, like, thought and patience and moderation 
um, led to some pretty good stuff. And we're seeing that the answer is just, if you don't make X billion within Y months, right, you're just going to lose the race all the time. Um, so we're, I mean, so we're just going to see that, right? We're going to see HBDO plus, um, be kind of a harbinger of these practices totally dominating the industry, right? Like Warner brothers has had so many different owners over the decades, their whole portfolio, um, their, their movie studios or whatever, right? They, you know, it was AOL for a long time and it has outlasted all these people because it just has a focus on quality and like making sure that the properties that it's attached to um, have pretty good stewards or whatever. So what we're really seeing is the final victory of fucking Goliath over David, right? Where David has like knocked down all of these uh, opponents through the decades or whatever. We can see that on paper. Um, but we're really seeing like the overwhelming force of the Persian army over the Spartans or whatever. That 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 really seems to be the lesson of the week where it's just like, well, uh, not everything good can last forever. And it turns out that like having the most guns and the most money like actually does uh, pretty well guarantee you victory sometimes. So that's annoying, right? But, yeah, tell me. It, 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 what you're saying is interesting because I think a lot of – I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to generalize, but I think a lot of people, certainly I'm, I'm assuming based on our conversations in the past that most of us would agree with this. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, that in a lot of ways, uh, HBO max, I guess is what it, it has been called most recently. Um, kind of was the, uh, uh, the front man of quality streaming content, quality, original content, right? Like, you know, uh, fucking Game of Thrones, uh, Sopranos, yeah. uh, all that shit. It's got a lot of very, very good stuff, and it 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 was it wasn't qual uh, quantity before quality, which I think a lot of streaming services are. Um, so what's interesting is in this David versus Goliath comparison you're making, man, is that HBO in a lot of ways is the best, and because they were the best, they were targeted for consumption by an entity that can afford to purchase the best, you know? Right. And even as, as it has no interest in sustaining the best, right? Like that's what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is the total uh, transformation of the mission and the emphases that HBO has going on, you know, for whatever, you know, it's a company like anything else. Um, they were just very brazen from the jump about the Batgirl thing, right? We haven't even talked about Batgirl, about a whole movie getting shelved, right? everyone who worked on it, uh, you know, a director having a DVD on a shelf of a movie that they made, right? Even that's not going to happen. Um, you know, so what do we got? We got, we got this comprehensive. Batgirl uh, should go straight to DVD. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm. What the fuck guys? Um, I don't know, man. This is, you're, you're, you're talking about how they're interested in this quality and they want to, um, absorb it into themselves, right? But it's such a weird um, juxtaposition, right? Of that of that motivation, but also the outcome that they're seeking, which is to destroy it completely. Like- uh, it, it's, it's weird. I've, I've been thinking about the analogy of like the movie industry and the media industry at large sort of falling victim to uh, a lot of stuff that sort of happened in like the sports world. Um, yeah. So like I'm a big, I'm a big baseball fan. And after the book Moneyball came out, um, which is sort of all about like using data points and statistics and like algorithms and stuff to sort of figure out the best way to build a baseball team for the least amount of money possible. And it seems like that sort of thought process of everything being um, a statistic in order to generate the most sort of like 
output. And in this case, like the output that we're looking for is, is cash returns. Um, so the best way to increase profit is to figure out which sort of shows work. And instead of, um, instead of trying to figure out like why the HBO max catalog works, um, because of like its artistic integrity, it's just trying to figure out why that works in sort of statistical, um, data points that you can then plug into an Excel spreadsheet and then shoot out something on the other end. Like we're literally just being given content in the form of like algorithms and, and data sets and equations instead of, um, Oh, we're giving David chase money because he has a really cool idea for a TV show and we should let him use this money, however he chooses and work with whatever actors and shoot on whatever location and, um, you know, explore whatever, whatever themes and ideas that he wants to, you know, talk about, um, and just let him do that. But no, instead we're, we're just focused on like, okay, well, these are the data points that we need to hit. How can we do that? Um, and you know, what catalog do we buy? Why? It is simply Welsh. I'm going to let you, I see, I see you have something to say. I'm going to let you chime in here in just a sec. What, what you're saying is it's this reverse, reverse thought process rather than someone coming to them with an idea and they're like, that's a great idea. How much is that going to cost? Instead of it being like that, they're like, this is what we've got. What can you make with this? And they're starting with the money as opposed to starting with the idea, I think is the issue. Welsh, go ahead. No, that's an excellent point as well. That fits right into what I was about to say. Um, Raph, between you and, and Mike here, what we're touching on is like such a big issue. And so or, well, I think it's an issue in so many different companies. It's just like an industry's data everything comes down to data so much these days in a way that like never really has before. You know, there's, there's data flowing everywhere about like consumption, about, you know, just the way, how we spend our time, you know, what we're doing on our phones, all that sort of thing. And so Mike, like you said, instead of someone having an idea and then making something like that, so many of these companies now are looking, they have all of this data and they're saying, okay, where, where are the gaps, you know, in what we're producing and what we're putting out in our selection of content. Like how can we fill these gaps in rather than like, I guess someone kind of trying to, I don't know, there, there's like an expression for it that I'm missing. Like we're almost trying to solve, find a solution to a problem that doesn't quite exist. There's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because that's, I, I really want to jump in on that. I, Cause I want to say, what you're describing is happening in every industry. It's the McKinseyization of everything. McKinsey is a very well-known consulting company. Uh, CEOs bring them in and they say, where can we cut costs or whatever? Um, you know, uh, Mitt Romney, he made his billions. Uh, he's, a, he's a consulting firm. People bring him in and they say, well, these are the ways you can cut costs. And wh- what they're describing is a way to make money in the short term, right? versus sustaining any kind of legacy, right? Creating any kind of long-term value, implementing any kind of long-term strategy. You're talking about data, Welsh. And I think it's important to uh, be clear about what outcomes that data is produced for, right? Like literally from the jump, they're saying that we want you to look at it with these eyes, with an eye towards this outcome or whatever. So it you can just look at the at the art and and let's and let's be um, let's be specific about the word art. Let's 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 talk about giving David Chase a lot of money so he has a good idea, right? No one's giving him that money because they want to make a profit in the next five years. I mean that's that would be good if it did. But what they want is to create a body of work that they can sell 
hundreds of thousands or millions of times over the next 10 years or 20 or whatever. And we see that that works. We see that since 1998, since they filmed the fucking pilot of The Sopranos, um, The Sopranos has given us an enormously rich cultural vocabulary that allows us to describe our existence through the prisms of these beautiful, unforgettable characters and the stories that they're involved in, right? No one is looking at that and saying, well, uh, what, what's the short-term return on that, right? It's just, it's just not part of the strategy. Um, the more we hear these headlines, right, the more that we hear about these things happening, the more we're going to see less and less interest in creating a cultural legacy, right? It's just mm -hmm. not going to happen, right? They're going to announce 10 years of DC movies, but they're not going to be there's not going to be any aspect of them where there's just like, we want kids 30 years from now to grow up watching these movies and say, I became a filmmaker because of it, right? Oh, I, I was inspired to do something cool or better because of it, right? No one has that in mind. What they have in mind is just locking in, right? Whatever audience they have, trading on the cheap nostalgia of the recognizability of these characters. They're not looking to the future, right? They're kind of just thinking about exploiting the present, right? And, and, and that's the power of that data. Um, they're, they're gathering it just so it can inform them about the moments now because it's a lot more expensive and it's a lot more, um, you know, it takes a lot more imagination to think about the future. Um, so they figured, fuck it, you know, let's, um, let's, ex let's, let's mine it, right? Let's, like, just like uh, people picking up shovels and going into a coal mine, let us exploit the rich, fertile resources of the present moment in time as much as possible as opposed to cultivating the land as opposed to growing anything right as opposed to building a society around um the moderated agriculture of um of you know on, of an artistically rich society right we're just saying oh let's just strip mine the fuck out of everything that we have now uh, you know so the data data is the shovels right um, it, it, we're, we're going to see that over and over, like CEOs saying, okay, everyone pick up the shovels and, and let's, 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 let's get every fucking drop out of the, out of the stones of this, you know, it's, it's very it, frustrating it, to it's, see that as a cultural attitude. It, it's frustrating in this respect because we are supposed to be dealing in, in the art world. Like it's okay if, if your business is, is business. I don't know. I can't think of like something specific, but, um, but you know, if, if you're, if you're just in the business of like making money or whatever, like trading stocks, like I think it's not great, but it's, it's okay if you want to, you know, do the data thing there and try to figure out ways to increase profits in the margins. But when it becomes like particularly sad when we're dealing with TVs or with TV shows and movies, because it's supposed to be art and, there is supposed to be like a separation of church and state. Like hmm. the people who are making the actual movies are not supposed to be the same folks who are making the financial decisions about how the entire studio runs. Like Francis Ford Coppola should not have to care about where the money is coming from and how the next five projects for X studio are going to be funded. He just needs to figure out how to get a really sick shot of some helicopters in the Cambodian jungle for yeah, sure. apocalypse now. Oh, yeah. Drop, drop and, yeah. yeah. Convince Marlon Brando. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, if we have like direct directors and creatives who are worried about that kind of stuff, or they can't do what it is that they need to do in order to make something cool because they're constantly hearing from 
executives who are only worried about the bottom line, then we're like, frankly, going to start missing out on a lot of cool art that we otherwise would be getting. And it seems like we're getting into this period of time where a lot of stuff is essentially the same one or two, two or three things that are like repackaged and resold to us instead of anything that is like new or exciting or even old and exciting and like feels you feel like there's a human connection like you can feel that someone made this thing that you're watching on screen so that it could connect with you and speak to you and like dig deep into your soul instead of just yeah i i laughed at thor love and thunder you know three or four times because they made some good jokes and i spent 25 dollars to to see it like that's what we're heading towards and I think the HBO Max news in particular and like this merger with Discovery Plus, um, I don't know why, but this felt like sort of the last straw in this sort of inevitable train that we were heading towards of this being the reality of media and content that we that we now live in. So, and what's I think what's interesting about your saying, too, is that like, you know, you think about jokes that. And not to you know take a jab at at Taika or or Kevin, uh, you know you think, <laughs> you think about our boys Taika and Kevin, bless them. Uh, you think you think about like jokes that are in that franchise, and how those jokes could work in any movie. It's not something that was created. It's like oh, this piece of humor will work in this wonderful mythos that we've expanded upon over 24 years or whatever. It's just like, oh, here, here's a joke, and we're just putting it in the movie. Um, and I think that correlates with, you know, a COVID obviously was horrible for a lot of reasons, but I think it revealed to uh, studios and these corporations that you can reach people even better than you wanted to without getting them to go to the theater. Uh, and you can do it in many, many ways on many, many platforms for many, many, many different prices. Uh, we've never seen films of this caliber. And when I say caliber, I mean of this budget available immediately from the comfort of your couch whether it's immediately streaming on a platform you already pay monthly for or immediately to rent for slightly more than a movie price ticket. Uh, and so that is now such a big part of conceptualizing these, these, these projects and, and products, frankly, uh, and that's how they budget them. And, that's, and they don't think about they don't think about what what it needs to be at when once everyone's work is finished. They think about when it needs to be done and where it needs to air so it can recoup and pay the people that funded the damn thing. That's why the whole ba you know the whole Batgirl thing is like nobody nobody cares about nobody who made that who made the decision to to shelf it cares about. Uh, the filmography of the director the art the art or, of, yeah, yeah or or the portfolio of brendan Fraser's work and how it could have been lovely to see him do a role like this mm -hmm. or the 
the the the crew, the 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 editor and the cinematographer and the the fucking wardrobe head. Nobody, just, all these people, like you were saying before, uh, who put and that's the thing. Like anytime we critique a movie or a TV show on here, whether we like it or not, the truth is there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and and thousands of real people who try their damnedest to do their best work that they possibly can, whether it's a TV show or a movie and a lot. And even when the thing comes out and even if the thing is good, no, you know, nobody really knows their name because, you know, why, why would they mass audiences only care? Oh, who, who's acting? Who am I looking at right now? You know, but it's like to not even have that film be accessible in terms of something to add to a and when I say filmmaker, I mean anybody in the film business, not just direct to, to a filmmaker's portfolio. Because a filmmaker, if if you're an assistant on the wardrobe team, you're a filmmaker. You're a part of making that film. If you're an assistant to makeup and you're just making sure that fucking Brie Larson's eyebrow is properly in, pra- in place before she kicks ass t- uh, to some song in Captain Marvel, you're you're a filmmaker. And and these are the people that are shafted. It's it really is. It's such a shame. Like J.K. Simmons and and Michael Keaton, like they're fine. Like oh no, our a Batgirl. We, nobody's gonna see us in Batgirl. Oh no. Uh, but it's um, it's it's messed up because it's beyond like us as audience members not knowing those people. Like these executives and CEOs, and I think it's like okay to make a distinction between who we are complaining about, like. Like you said, if if we rag on a movie or like if we don't love a movie, like you can still recognize that a lot of people put a lot of hard work into that and wanted to make something cool for you. But it's not they're not the ones who are making the decision. Like sometimes people will make a movie and be like, oh, that wasn't our best work. Maybe we won't, you know, like release that. Maybe we don't want that out into the world. It's not even their decision to make. It's executives and it suits in these like, you know, these these high rise office buildings with their you know their glass windows and shit um looking out into midtown and they're like well uh you know this movie won't make us any money so let's not even release it and those people those real people who worked on the on the set who were doing the editing even like the caterers and shit like they are nothing but data points in a spreadsheet to these executive teams and like they're not only are they taking away the human connection from like us as an audience, but they're also taking away the human element of like someone putting in a lot of work into something that they could then be proud of being released into the world. Yeah. And that's not, it shouldn't be their decision to make. I suppose that's, that's really my big concern about stuff like this is that the, the merge and obviously like you're, you know, like you're saying like art, art, art and the patrons who fund it have always been intimately connected. That's just a part of, life but it feels like the the people making these executive kind of decisions business decisions are closer and closer to the actual creation of film television literature anything like that than ever before i suppose my concern is that hbo you know they have always been this this prestige brand and in this merger they're still saying like you know they may be pulling back from the the streaming content creation but that they will continue to create you know what they believe to be high quality television which is great, but it's like, for how long? You know, when you're seeing slides being shown, 
talking about like statistics and data points for HBO Max and like that that is HBO. It's like, you know, the people in charge, clearly that is what it all is to them. And it's like, how long can you go on before that prestige content that you may, may not be your favorite stuff, but there's still like a certain level that's being hit. Like I didn't love a lot of aspects of the end of Game of Thrones, but I will never say that the entire experience and production of it was not like at a certain level, you know? And it's like, how long before that starts to get more impacted by the people who are making these kinds of executive decisions before that streaming bug kind of gets in and really just takes over. That's my concern. You know, how long can a, a prestige cable channel exist? I mean, there's, there's places like AMC that are still putting out, I think pretty good stuff, but it's like, we're just seeing the shift of, you know, more more and more of the streaming, the content creation versus the traditional you, form. When when you say you know a, you say AMC, people think people think of Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul. Of course. Uh, and 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 I think there's a reason that most people who are pretty familiar with most programming that's available these days would say that like oh Better Call Saul is probably the the best thing on TV right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's you know, everybody has different tastes, but for a lot of objective reasons, I think you could say that that's probably true. Um, but when you think about that, you're just like, well, why doesn't it have competition? Uh, why isn't there anything that is neck and neck with it, right? And what happens when that show is over? What happens when AMC gets bought up by another entity? Uh, you know, like discovery and, and, and what you're saying too, is like, you know, we, we've, we've referenced Sopranos. We we've referenced game of Thrones, uh, regardless of where game of Thrones and uh, ended up, um, you know, and thinking about like other shows too, like, like, you know, mayor of Easttown or, or Barry or whatever, mm -hmm. um, any of these shows that are revered by people in the business or people that purely enjoy viewing these things, these experiences were created by passionate creative people and now we're getting to the point where the decisions i mean it, it always was the decision to always have these things made ultimately was by money people but i think that the money people now realize that they have way more power than they realized prior or at least exercising that power more for multiple reasons, I'm sure, but we're seeing it particularly, I think, at the moment. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think more and more of those money people are, are the people who are filling those roles are more and more business oriented than they have been in the past. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've been thinking about this dude, um, Erwin Winkler. He, um, he produced like Goodfellas and Rocky and a bunch of other like, awesome movies but he as a producer he is like he is the business side of the of the industry um and i read his his uh his memoir and i never got a sense while reading it that he just cared about the bottom line like he didn't tell martin scorsese that he could only make goodfellas if it was going to hit xyz data points because those are the points that are proven to have a good return in in theaters like he didn't pick up uh, the Rocky script because it was similar to another script that he had read and he knew that it made $200 million in the first two weeks at the box office. No, he, he produced those movies because someone came to him with a cool idea that he 
he thought would be cool. He didn't think of it as a business venture. He thought of it as he was just funding someone's dream to go out and make something awesome. And then Rocky, like, I don't know if this is true, but I, I feel like Rocky was probably the highest grossing movie the year that it came out. And like, I'm scared. How many other Rockies are we going to get? How many other Godfathers are we going to get where a movie ends up being the highest grossing movie of the year just because it's really awesome and someone made something really cool that connects with a lot of people and kind of captures our like collective imagination in a way that something never had in the past. And I, I don't know if we're ever going to get another movie like that to be number one at the box office. It just feels like, like what's number one at the box office will either be will be some sort of formulaic trick to tap into our nostalgias and our comforts and our familiarities of like what we what we know to be a movie that like we need to see. It almost feels like like with like Marvel movies and stuff, like I don't know if people actually enjoy going to see them. I just think that they think it's a thing that they're like supposed to do. So they go see them. Like it's weird, man. And it's it's really sad that this is sort of the where we're trending um in this in this industry. It's like we were saying before about oh sorry. Mike, no, no, no. You, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's like we were saying before, you know, about like data and like trying to fill in, you know, gaps or or what they believe to be gaps. Like what we're talking about is you know, there's only I admit to my own ignorance of being a 30-year-old person who doesn't know everything about the industry and the way it's always been. But like it feels like in the past there were more opportunities where people just kind of came up with ideas and created something because they wanted to. And, you know, whether it worked or not, they're, they're, for every, you know, amazing movie, there's like, there were 20 different consistency of production. Um, and um, the, what we're seeing now is so much of like people going in being like, okay, well, this is what's big. This is another thing that's big the data shows that there's like crossovers between them that aren't being met right now. Oh, people love like this actor and this kind of storyline and this formula. If we combine them, then like that's a guaranteed hit. It's a guaranteed hit. Like it has to be big. It has to get certain numbers. I feel like that's what we're seeing more and more of, especially in, in theaters, at least it's like, you know, I love, I love movies. I love television. Like there's still good stuff. There's still great stuff being made, but it feels like so much, of the between things are just kind of for formula. It's just literally data. It feels like data points in a PowerPoint from a boardroom meeting that someone literally like fill and they put it into a Dolly film generator, you know, and it like just created something. The you're, you're absolutely right. And, and Raph Rocky was the highest grossing movie of 1976. Um, it's, it's, it's such a, uh, it's such an unfortunate, unpleasant conversation to have. Uh, I, it really is. Because why are these things being made? And why are they being made the way they are? Because they make money. This wouldn't be the trend of this industry if these things didn't make money. Um, and many of us here are gamers we've seen this in the video game industry particularly with monetization these horrible horrible practices where you're you, you know originally when you would purchase a game and in this case when you would go see a film you pay and you get you get the meal you get your burger 
you get your fries, you get your side salad, you get your soda. These days, you buy a game, you get the burger, you want the fries, the fries will come out in three months, and it's an additional cost. An additional cost. You want the soda, you're not going to drink for six months. The soda, it'll, it's being carbonated. You want lettuce on your fucking burger, you got to buy the same game again, but there's going to be lettuce on it this time nine years from now. You got to pre-order to get the ketchup. And yes, the exactly. If you don't order your McDonald's burger off the McDonald's app, you don't get ketchup or mustard or fucking especial sauce, whatever tickles your fucking taint. Do we do we think we're going to see trends like practices like that come to other kinds of media? I know there's been more of a push for like, or there was like interactive film stuff and television. Do you think they're going to put out a TV show where if you pay extra, you get like more... I, don't I, know, mean, I mean, maybe, things. but is is that not what... Only if the data shows that it'll make money. <laughs> yeah. It's but only a matter that, of time. Is that not yeah. what <laughs> streaming right now we television don't have the data is? You, th you think about the... I don't know what car company it is because I was so pissed off and didn't give a shit and didn't pay it any mind, but the car company that's just like, you want heated seats, you have to pay monthly or we turn the heat into yeah. 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 Is that not what streaming TV is? Oh, you want to see the next episode? Well, you got to sub again. You want the whole story? You got to pay for the next month. That's That was the whole thing with Stranger Things, with Netflix. Is like Netflix, you know, they were the first big streaming service. And, you know, they created binge culture. And Stranger Things was a big part of that. It's like the whole fucking season drops at a time. You watch all of it in a day. And a lot of people sub for a month to binge their show. They split Stranger Things 4 into two volumes. They didn't have to do that. If you look at the time frame, the second volume comes out right after one month of subscription for the first volume would be up. You know why? Because they want a second month of funds from subscribers just for two more episodes. That's, that's all it fucking is. Ooh, that's so true, man. That's like literally real time, like management of, of content delivery to like maximize returns. That's so weird. <laughs> Ew. That's, that's all so it gross. is. That's so it's gross. It's so icky, man. Yeah. It feels, it feels dirty and slimy and it's not what we, it's not what, what we go to, to movies and TV shows for. Like we go, we go to these things to feel to feel right like we go to, yeah. to feel something and we don't want that feeling to come from someone in a boardroom in midtown manhattan we want it to come from a bunch of weirdos who are on set and they're yeah. like okay what if we connected the camera to this kind of dolly for this shot and then they go out and do that and or someone is like what if we cut your jeans for this scene in this way so that it looks like really fucking weird and crazy like that's where we want that emotion to come from not we don't want to feel slimy because some dudes like I don't know, eating just salad in a boardroom, you know, are, are trying to figure out how to make an extra 15 bucks for investors the next quarter. It's insane. Is that a very oh, New York reference? Do we have just salads all over the world? Is that a, <laughs> is that I a country? So. I try to, I, 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 I try to stay away from like, like sweet green. I feel like sweet green is more just New York city. I, I think oh, just salad chopped. Wow. 
is chopped more. Yeah. Uh, Bro, you pay sixteen, eighteen so dollars for for a salad, man. It's like what the fuck. But but but, but so dude, cool. fucking look and you sixteen, know, eighteen dollars for a month of Netflix. There you go. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky for me to say this because it, it is like it always is and always will be a business, you know. And as someone who actually is in the business, you know, I don't want to necessarily talk negatively about any conglomerate because who knows? One day I I, I may work with them. But, you could be in the boardroom, dude. Yeah, uh, but you know the truth is eating sixteen dollars salads. Yeah, that that my assistant brought for me, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, Marvel. What we're talking about this elongated fee to get the full experience. Marvel's been doing it since two thousand and eight. Cons- uh, moviegoers, consumers, really now these days, they're not even moviegoers anymore. They're consumers. They're buying a product. You don't get the full fucking story until years down the line. Each of these movies is an episode. You're paying $16, $18 to see a two-hour episode. You Forget about the quality of the thing. You want to see a whole season of this show, of these two-hour episodes of this show? Think about the first phase of Marvel. You have two Iron Mans, an Incredible Hulk, a Captain America, a Thor, and then the Avengers. That's six movies. That's one season of a show. That's $120 to see that season of the show. They've been doing this 20, uh, not uh, 14 years ago. This started. Yeah. yeah. It's it not would be new. Like if you missed an, an entire yeah. month of Breaking Bad. <laughs> and then, yeah. Like if yeah. you miss one, if you miss one Marvel movie, you know, you're missing an entire entire block of uh of the show and then you come back in a month and you're like what's new with walter white and you're like wait when did this gus guy show up <laughs> the breaking bad extended unit the bbeu yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like um uh, what we're what we're saying too you know like con- content like branding like it ha- everything has to be this extensive thing and coming back to the whole hbo discovery merger like it, just the, the pure difference between how we've thought about these brands and like in the, I keep referring to the PowerPoint slides that they showed at the, their financial call, I think it was, because those are just so damning to me. <laughs> like, just the, the way they're describing, like, one for HBO Max, what did it say? It was, like, like incredible, like, the most premier streaming service, like, amazing filmmaking, blah, 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 like, the reviews. And then for Discovery Plus, it says, so much content, five stars <laughs> on the App Store. And it's, like, you know, like, if, if, if that, the brand for Discovery is, like, content 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 like everything has to connect it's like oh there's a property brothers show now there's a spinoff for that now there's like a spinoff with those spinoff characters for hbo to be like married into that it's like if the sopranos were made today as still you know like a brand new cable show as hbo says that they're going to continue making but it's also going to the streaming service is there going to be you know like soprano spinoffs on hbo max you know that kind of thing like is paulie walnuts going to get his own show like little paulie yeah, little po- is there going to be a little party? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, like junior at the um, spoilers. Anyone hasn't seen Sopranos on that's, <laughs> at this point? Um, it's, a car- yeah. it's a cartoon of young Polly Walnut. Dude, what what sup- the Sopranos? What if? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if? yeah, it's like what if like you know they didn't meet? What if like this happens? This and that? Like what if um. What if what Tony, if Tony was born out yeah. in the first episode? What if Tony Soprano got the Infinity Gauntlet? What if? Come <laughs> on, I need a few so, more Soprano stones. Zombies. Yeah, Soprano. 
Uh, Sopranos, Secret Wars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There would be a lot of opportunities for zombies, considering how many people Yeah, yeah. Last. There's a high oh, body right. count from that show, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially during COVID, everyone died. Would there um, be that got vaccinated? Sorry. Um, <laughs> or, I think uh, the disease that we're talking about here is sequelization, right? The, the instinct to not really think about the story that you have in mind being self-contained. Uh, Raph opened the door to Coppola earlier in the episode. And I think as much as we love the man, uh, we can blame him pretty directly for this rash, right? To think about The Godfather as uh, a totally self-contained novel that they had the temerity to adapt into a totally self-contained movie. And then they were like, hey, that made a shit zillion dollars. Let's make another one. Um, you know, whatever suit had that idea. Um, so then they made Godfather 2. Uh, hot take, Godfather 2 is not as good as Godfather. Um, and it retreads a lot of a lot of stuff, right? You sit down at the blank page, you say, I need to tell the story again. And then you kind of do. And there you go. That's what you end up with, a lot of retreads. Um, we cannot overemphasize... Uh, you know, in kind of a recursive way that even, even as that's bad in 1973, 75 or whatever. Um, and, and, and point to that as, as a, as a catalyst for a lot of the, uh, a lot of the patterns that we're seeing, it would have been so much worse now, right? If someone, if, if somehow magically the Godfather didn't exist and they wanted to adopt, to adapt it now, um, you would get four movies out of it. Absolutely. Right. Um, Mm. Uh, the first movie would end when uh, Michael kills Salazzo or whatever, and he goes to Italy, right? Like the second movie would be Italy or whatever, right? Like that's the way that that's the corporate thinking, right? <laughs> the, the thinking about, um, you know, just the ignorance of the character arc, right? The ignorance of the progress of an actor in one production over time. Um, you know, it's just it it it, it it's totally alien to their thinking um, that they that they conceive of the self-contained as its own quality, right? As some, as, as its own vehicle mm. to create an outcome, right? It, it's something they specifically avoid. So, you know, it, it's a piper that's been paid, you know, many times over the decades, right? We've all paid for our sins. You know, we, we love aliens or whatever. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we have to say, wouldn't the world be better if, if every story was just the story that it was told, right? And that was the universe that it made. And those were the characters that inhabited it. And that's what happened to them. It's, um, it's just funny that like we're, we're discussing this and there literally is a, a Godfather TV show about yes, yes, the making of, of the Godfather yeah, called yeah. The Offer about yeah, how yeah. Francis Ford Coppola had to fight to get this thing made and the opposition. Here. Like it's a TV show. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so, so there you go. It's like another sequel, right? Oh, uh, what if we could dramatize the time that we tried to make drama, right? I mean, we don't make drama anymore. So what if, isn't that a story <laughs> worth telling? <laughs> it's also hilariously like the lack of self-awareness of within this media environment to make a show about a dude fighting to make something that he believes will be a very cool piece of art and executives like fighting him to not make it like, um, like meta much where yeah, that's right, literally exactly. the world that, that, we're, no. that we're living in it's like poetry. well I, I find the whole thing very meta i think every marvel movie is basically a meta thing you know I, I you can you can definitely get the sense of all of the actors in every scene staring at each other being like oh we're doing this shit again huh you know it's like every every joke 
she's like, well, here we, we're back in the boat or whatever, you know. Oh, okay. there it is. Um, I wanted to 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 bring up because I know I feel like Marvel is and Disney is like the easy one to point to, but I feel like Netflix within the world of streaming um, is also super interesting because they're the biggest um, biggest fish in the pond, so to speak. Um, and they're like they had their own thing a, a couple of months ago where they where they you know said that for the first time ever like subscriptions were down from month to month um and they rolled out the whole idea of which is like something that i don't even know if we want to get into but the idea that streamers are now thinking of getting into the ad business so we're just slowly reverting back to cable television when streaming platforms were supposed to be a way to get away from that but that's like another discussion for another day um but with netflix and like while they were going through all that and one of the things that they decided on in terms of like ways to increase profits and decrease um the amount that they were just spending on stuff they said that they would no longer take on vanity projects like martin scorsese's the yeah, irishman which yeah. is like freaking incredible but they stick with all of these and uh if you didn't know our very own michael romeo is featured in one the irishman um, well, so featured, if you're going to check it out for no being, other reason, you're being very generous regarding being featured. You're in the damn movie. Yeah. If you want to see, the, if you, if you, you want to see the, the, the side of my mustache and the, the side of my oh, schnozole. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, it's beautiful. You're in, you're, you're more in that movie than 99.9% .9 of people on this earth. Yeah. So Do, you, yeah, you are a color that Scorsese put on a canvas. It's beautiful, man. That's true. Yeah. I'm going to tell Martin you said that. But it's never sense. going to happen again. If you want to work with Netflix, you're going to have to be in one of those movies that is spit out by one of these algorithms. These data yeah. Excels. Yeah, algorithms. Well, what? The, um, the, the Irishman prequel like TV show coming to Paramount Plus. It's called The Cameraman. Well, they won't. It's about this one guy. Well, what is, what is a they vanity make the prequel like, Art? You know, it, like. it essentially means that the Irishman did not get enough streams for a company like Netflix to um, to consider making things that are similar to that. So they like Netflix kind of not pioneered, but they were like the first big streamer to really focus on this algorithm and like data collecting and what are people watching and what kind of genres are they watching and how can we create stuff based on your stuff like that, that is yeah how can we create really, more yeah. stuff that is similar to what folks are watching so that they will stay with netflix and continue to watch it and like because a lot of people didn't watch the irishman but they did watch like red notice or something <laughs> like we have like five more red notice movies yeah but we're not going to get another irishman like martin scorsese nope don't want to work with that dude again can't give him any money but yeah we'll give money to whatever is the weird computer like supercomputer that pooped out red notice it's it, they yeah the the irishman their their funding of the irishman was a 200 million dollar thumbnail <laughs> what it was and then you got the gray man <laughs> greenlit sequel before that thing even comes out dude well that i mean i haven't seen that movie but it's would you say that not to make a whole nother gray man episode but would you say that that felt like a movie that was made by an algorithm well you you'd have to be you, you're you're assuming that i've seen it uh <laughs> Uh, but it, and, we've gotten to the point where you can sense that a movie is made by an algorithm where like yeah. you can I, just see I, a trailer or stills on the internet and you know immediately 
that was pooped out by supercomputers in a room well, somewhere. The bullet like, they left the bullet. I can I can I can confidently say that we could have an episode reviewing the Gray Man and we could talk about it and it would make pretty significant sense even though none of us have seen it <laughs> we've seen the movie already you watch the trailer he's like i've seen this fucking movie i wonder what happens oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The I, just, I don't man. want computers making the fuck? you mean the fucking russos are just like hmm, the gray man <laughs> like come on man what the fuck <laughs> i don't want my movies made by computers i want my movies made by people I don't want and, my movies project managed. Fuck the project managers. Yeah. Give it to real people. Give it, you know, uh, Shanti Collins, he's a critic. He's got um, a good uh, art thing. I would rather see an artist fuck it up than a suit get it right. You know, that's mm. totally going to lead to that's the, the outcomes that we're looking for every time. We don't get swings anymore. We need more swings. Yeah. I saw Old last year. It's not a great movie. But M. Night took a swing. Mm. And because it probably didn't make a lot of money, we're not going to get more movies like that. Robert Eggers made The Northman, which was a swing. It didn't make a whole lot of money. So we're probably not going to see him get the chance to take another swing like that. But he should be able to take a swing. And other directors like him, you know, who follow in his footsteps, should also be afforded the opportunity to take swings. Because, you know... Like in baseball, you can strike out seven times out of ten, but those three times that you you hit it because you're taking swings, you might knock one out of the ballpark. And it's worth it to try to knock it out of the ballpark instead of just bunt every time because you know that that's going to get a base hit, which is essentially what movies like The Gray Man are. I'm looking, you know, like, I mean, fucking think about how many bullshit canvases Jackson Pollock had. I mean, I guess they're all kind of bullshit, but, <laughs> you, you know, like, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get anything good out of someone unless you let them try, mm. you know? Um, and that's, I mean, uh, uh, an episode that's going to be coming out very shortly after this, uh, we'll be discussing a film that I think falls into the category of what we're talking about. Um, a movie that, not to get ahead of myself and say how I feel about it before we get into the episode, but Prey is not an amazing film. It's not exceptional. It's not really something in a lot of ways I've never seen before, but it's a simple idea that's executed single-handedly by someone who's creative with a desire to follow that vision that they have. And the end product is pretty good. And yeah. the, you know, the response, uh, what I'm ex happy about is that the response to it, you know, you, we, we see, we see all these movies come out, movies we've already seen hundreds of times and it's like 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you know, fucking, I don't know, Spider-Man No Way Home, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's And it's like, you know, you, you see that and you're like, there's no way. <laughs> it's not true. I know it's not true. The people who fucking rated it like that know it's not true. 
So immediately you look at that, you're just like, no, that's, that's there's no way it is. Why is it that high? And then you see something like Prey, 93, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And you're like, I don't think it's that high, but why is it that high? In this case, it's that high. It's because it's a conglomerate of people who are watching it and recognizing that even though it's not like a masterpiece, it's a fucking idea and it's a fully realized idea and it's well made. It might not blow your mind and it might not change the way you think about life or the way you think about filmmaking, but it's just a well-made idea that someone with money let another guy who had an idea make. That's all it was. And because of that, it was good. That's it. <laughs> Anyways, we don't have to do pray anymore. Speaking of taking swings at things, what do we think the name for the new merged streaming service is going to be between HBO well, and it, it, Yeah, HBO, HBDO Plus. I texted you guys days ago because we've been we've had an ongoing chat thread about all of this news and how exciting it is to all of us. I, I, I had it up oh, before. I'm going to try to pull the name. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to pull up the name. In, in one piece of good news, though, while I was going through this thread. Um, they are canceling the little Ellen show um, about cartoon Ellen DeGeneres as a baby. So. Not all of the HBO Max Discovery Plus news is bad. Like, you know, I, <laughs> silver lining. I, I want to be clear. My, my face of surprise uh, was not in disappointment that it was being canceled. It was in surprise that that was even a thing that was actually being made. Oh baby, baby I think there's already a full season out. They can't, I think they canceled oh it for season two. Hold on, I got to well, Google this. Who's watching this? <laughs> Like, what? like that—that's—that's that's fine to me. For me, that's that's okay to cancel. But like, maybe some people were digging it. Um, but I just don't want to lose that and other stuff, so that we can get more like ninety day fiance spinoffs. And I made this joke like five times, but I cannot wait for the Property Brothers to show up in Green Lantern two in twenty twenty eight. Yeah, sure. Dude, you know, you know, you know, you know. And this is and this is the the road that the many saints of Newark have paved. We're gonna get some kind of soprano sequel mm. a la El Camino of Breaking Bad, where it starts with a flashback and there's CGI Polly Walnuts and CGI Tony Soprano, you know, talking to what no fucking Ziti, and they're like standing at a river, and it's just like, oh, Tony. Like if I ever lost you, man, oh my God. I don't I don't know what I would do. And then it'll it'll cut to black, and then it'll cut back into the diner, and the beautiful ending of that show, the the you know the the the, the uncertainty of it, it'll just be like it'll cut to people will be screaming, <laughs> and it will slowly pan down to a diner table, and you'll just see a pool of blood. And you'll see the back of, of a bald man's head. <laughs> and then you, boom, should that's how be in these, like... you should be in these boardrooms. I was yeah, about to you, say that. You, you, you think you're like an executive. executive. Yeah, that's well, how it generated. But, 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 that's, it's this, but that's what's so you're depressing. The is, you're the this is, this is satire for, you know, people who care. It's reality <laughs> for people who don't. <laughs> It's the most painful kind of comedy there is. It's so true yeah. that like saying like oh like a flashback with these like CGI'd you know like 
bodies that have no souls within them. It's just like of these <laughs> beloved characters. <laughs> it will happen. It will happen. Yes, of course it will. We, there's going to be a fucking Soprano sequel with grown up uh, fucking young Soprano. And it's going to be like, man, you remember that night, that, that, that afternoon in the diner, man? <laughs> Discovery well, Max HBO Premium Plus is what Ooh, I have. That's good. Wow. HB Discover, Discover, <laughs> Discovery Box Office. Dis I, I keep coming back to discovering your box. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just circling the drain on that one. <laughs> yeah, that that's would content be. I would consume. If we're <laughs> discovering box offices, I'd I'd watch that. I'd buy that for a dollar. Discovery. I didn't realize that Discovery was even as massive as they were. I actually legitimately had no clue. It's like you know what it is. It it's um they play in every dentist and doctor's office because it's like HGTV mm -hmm. and Food Network. So whenever you're like getting a root canal and fucking top shelf is on in the background <laughs> it's because your dentist subscribes to, to discovery plus so they're just see, like that's the thing they just see they just see the number like okay we have x amount of subscriptions not people are only subscribing to this to play in the waiting room of a doctor's <laughs> office before they receive like what might be the most depressing news of their life they don't want more of that <laughs> they want to go home and watch something good a fucking doctor walks into the doctor's office, like looking through your MRI results. The Sopranos two is on the scene. He's just like, oh, did you catch this? Yeah, Gandolfini's son is playing Gandolfini. He's got yeah, he's got the CGI on his face. I I, re I remember when the show originally came out. Did you see the show when it originally came, when it originally came out? It's like, do I have cancer or not? Just give me the fucking. <laughs> The fact that you can't even think of anything more creative than The Sopranos 2, because that is what it would be called. Yeah, Just dude. The sequel to The Sopranos. Yeah. So do I have cancer? So anyway, please, we're going to Tell me I have leg. cancer, please. So I don't have to watch eight seasons of The Sopranos 2, dude. The Sopranos folia do. Yeah, oh my. It's a musical. La Lady Gaga. Yeah, they, Edie Falco got too old. So they replaced her with Lady Gaga. Hey, Lady Gaga, she knows how to do a mean Italian accent. We've yeah. all seen House of Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> We've all seen House <laughs> Get her in there. Why not? That'll get people in oh. seats. The data says people love seeing Lady Gaga on screen. Yeah. In front of the camera. Oh, man. Yeah, man. We're getting, we're getting a Joker, too, because the data says so. That's uh, yeah. true. Discovery like won't fuck with it, probably. <laughs> It's crazy how, how many movies we get just because the data says so. And how many movies we'll, we'll miss out on. We're missing out on Batgirl because the data says it's not worth it. Yeah, it's and a it's, very it, it is weird. I know we haven't really talked about Batgirl, but it's weird that this whole sort of avalanche uh, sort of snowballed from the news that the Batgirl movie that is completed and like fully made will not be released anywhere because of an accounting decision. And it should not be, it shouldn't be, I don't want to call accountants nerds, but I was going to say it shouldn't be the decision of some nerd with, with a bunch of spreadsheets open of whether or not people should see a movie. Unless the nerd um, saw it and was like, that movie's really bad. This, this is pure, purely at a surface level because, you know, it, it kind of goes against what I was saying before. It's like, oh, every, 
anyone goes and sees a movie, like what, who do they recognize? Who do they know? They recognize the actors and actresses. Um, it's a shame because uh, fucking um, uh, uh, Lord uh, Leslie Grace, who's playing Batgirl, she's not an unknown, but this was a huge role. You know, this was a huge role for her, a leading care, a leading part in a fucking comic book movie these days. Regardless of you know what people like I say about comic book movies, you think about the tra the trajectory of a career of a performer in film these days to land a role like this. That's amazing. You think about Brendan Fraser. Who's 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 worked very hard for his comeback and sort of reinvented himself as an older actor now in the parts he chose to play a villain in this kind of a movie. That's that's amazing these days. And to not see either of their work in something like this, it, it really is a trap. Like, think about how these people feel. The, these people like imagine fucking Leslie Grace reading fucking Twitter and seeing Batgirl. Uh, it confirmed never to be seen. No human eyes will ever see this movie. <laughs> that's that's horrible. The amount of effort these people put into it just to have Mr. Moneybags be like, you know what? Not. Nah. We got a Ocean's Eleven, the the Warner Brothers Discovery uh, headquarters. I want to see it. I want to see it on YouTube at like 240p. Like just it's, leak. It's gonna it's movie. gonna leak if it doesn't leak. Some someone's got gonna get it. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, for, Fernando, I feel like you had um, you had some thoughts regarding um, like pirating stuff, sort of in this in this vein uh, of you know, no eyes, no human eyes will ever see. Yeah, see I'm happy. Kind of. I'm happy to plug. I mean, I think we understand that um, the description, the descriptions, the conditions that we're describing um, are, of course, intimately correlated with. Uh, the the delivery systems right like the re like you were talking before oh why doesn't an original story like the godfather why won't that ever be number one of the box office again um streaming services exist right there's too much diversification and too many companies with stakes um so there's really no way for like something massive to gain purchase right with the whole of the culture at once um that's just kind of the the way things work so uh, all of these different content streams and all these different delivery systems owned by all these different companies, right? Um, it, it, the, those delivery systems are to an enormous degree dictating the kinds of stories that come through them, right? Whatever's coming out the chute or whatever, right? The A bullet is spun by the barrel, right? It's motion out of the barrel, right? Is determined by, you know, whatever the rifling is, right? So, so any bullet that comes out and, uh, you know, is expressed into the world, right? Has the has the markings of whatever uh, delivery system happens. It's important to kind of free our minds and say uh, we don't need to be tied into those systems at all. That we, uh, you know, are just individuals of power who have the opportunity to say, um, "I'm going to, um, I'm going to shape my reality however I want. I'm going to amass my own." Uh, collection, and I'm going to, and I'm going to have my own relationship to the media that I care about, and to the media that I think uh, I want to associate with myself. That I want to, um, that I that I want to project into the future. That I want to carry with me to whatever degree. Um, a lot of people are going to say, "Well, how dare you have that relationship? How dare you uh, insert yourself 
as an independent actor when all of these content delivery systems are totally accessible and capable of doing those things for you into the future, right? You'll never need, uh, you know, your iTunes library will be with you forever. There's no way that the servers could change or that licenses could change or whatever, right? Um, so, of course, musicians, um, their contracts are intimately tied to those content delivery systems. Of course, actors and directors and producers and wardrobe people or whatever, uh, you know, they're as um, integrated into the systems as everything else. It's just, it's okay for us as consumers and for as conscientious people to just be like, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Um, so if you want Prey and you want to see it in a theater, steal it and then rent out a theater and then put it on the big screen, right? That's, that's the way that's going to happen. The, 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 the corporations have demanded that you only have one relationship to everything that you love. It's perfectly okay to take that back and to say, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm going to accept the consequences of whatever come. You, you, know, you, you, you want the pigs and the IRS after me, then okay. Um, but otherwise... I'm going to be me and I'm going to, and I'm going to share information with others and I'm going to conspire to make sure that this is viable into the future. Anything that you care about in the world, any listener, take it for yourself, right? If you think physical media is enough to, for that relationship, great, then do that. Um, but if you've got the gigabytes and the hard drive space or just access to the vaults and you can steal whatever you want, please, please steal. Please uh, disrupt all of these companies and their relationship to their money and to their accepted business practices. Make them feel that there's real consequences, that there's real risk in um, in limiting the realities of their of their of their customer base. You know, if they want to dictate to you the circumstances of reality, please feel empowered to never allow that to happen for sure. And you know, I think that's that's a broad straight to DVD um, premise, right? That just like art is cool and that whatever you take away from it is the art, right? That you are open enough to be kind of shaped by the stories and to, um, and to take those lessons or experiences into the future and to whatever other art you take, like, please let that also apply to your consumption practices. You know, don't, don't allow yourself to feel limited at all in any way, right? Steal this podcast, steal his movies, um, steal your music. It, it, it super doesn't matter, right? No one, no, no one is suffering enough for you to feel bad about it. And the truth is that you never know when it will be tremendously important that you did that for whatever reason, right? Even if it, if ultimately it just sticks in some CEO's craw a little bit, like that's totally a worthwhile victory. Um, please go out there, please advocate for yourselves. If, uh, just in the future, uh, if there's any uh, studio exec out there uh, uh, li- listening to this, I just want I want to uh, re- reiterate that that is uh, not an official endorsement. For Opinion, Fernando, uh, on behalf of Steeler, straight straight to DVD and all all all, all entities adjacent does not endorse piracy. <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought her official running platform was uh, I'm running for mayor and my platform is steal it. (laughs) it. Everything. 
Yeah. Whatever you can. Both. If it isn't bolted down. Yeah. 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 So if you're gonna yeah, sue anyone, don't it. sue us. <laughs> Although we have great lawyers. That's true. Lawyer. It's true. Our in, our little interns grown up. We have lawyer. Maybe maybe not great, but we have lawyer. <laughs> it's true. He's not. <laughs> He hasn't gone up against the, the Disney execs yet, but no, he will one no. day when they listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the big question, you know, about streaming and all this stuff the existing in this, this vacuum, this weird nebulous place online. We assume because we're human beings and we're short-sighted, it's hard for us to really see ourselves in the future. It's like, will this stuff exist forever? We think, sure, maybe, I don't know, probably someone will have it downloaded, but it's like, we don't know. We, you genuinely don't know. Like Fernando said, you know, it may be the most important thing you ever do possibly to, to, to archive something in your own way. You know, it's like you look back at, um, there's examples of like the BBC, like early episodes of Dr. Who that are literally, there's like a hundred missing episodes of that franchise from like the seventies because they taped over it at the BBC. They literally taped over the video cassettes. Those are gone forever. And it's like, all that exists is the audio. And it's like, who knows, you know, 30, 40 years from now, someone will say like, I wish I could see the first season of, of I don't know, fucking, what was the one you were talking about on Netflix that has five seasons? Sopranos 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, so say, I wish how a match, we're, we're oh, fucking. Oh, Little Ellen? Now, there's this little forgotten, hidden le gem, little Ellen, that we wish we had physical copies of. Someone in like Nebraska has it on a flash drive. Some, some unpaid intern told to be like, go comb, comb through the vaults, <laughs> the, the fucking basement of, of HBODO, whatever the HBODO plus plus plus. Go see what what's going on down there in the archives. This is a big, dusty binder. What, what is that? The Warner Brothers vault. They blow the dust off the binder. They open it. It's audio files of young Ellen DeGeneres. What? What is this? And this young filmmaker is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fully, I'm gonna fully realize this. And they take the audio, convert it to live action. And we get Little Ellen, the musical, re- re- resurrected. <laughs> 40, forty years after, forty years after that's made, we're gonna have the TV show about that dude trying to make the show with Miles Teller. <laughs> as an executive telling him why he can't make it. Miles Teller's grandson playing Miles Teller with oh my God, dude. minimal pro- uh, prosthetic and CGI to make him look like Miles Teller. The data says people love that. They love nepotism. That's my nightmare. Yes. People love Miles Teller. <laughs> moral, that's the, that's the episode, name of the episode. Yes. That here's, there's a moral of the story. Don't pirate Produce or Little do. Ellen. <laughs> Unless it's Little Ellen. Yes. If you, yes, you can pirate Little Ellen, but otherwise, <laughs> that's it. Rock, I like that right after you said we don't endorse stealing, well, she, you came on and you were like, yeah, but like maybe it is kind of important to steal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking purely from the artistic, the moralistic perspective, you know, not the legality of it. That's my, name, my name, for the record, <laughs> oh, attorney. In the in the grand jury, my name is Michael Romeo Rocco, and I do not endorse stealing. <laughs> I'm protected. You can all say what you want now. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you that's, just yeah, that's, 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 
it's, it's like all, it's uh, all intern lawyer dandies. Yeah. <laughs> I will sell you all down the river. <laughs> I'm fucking up there on the stand. I've never met. I've never met any of these men before. <laughs> Dude, when you get cast in The Sopranos too, they're going to ask you. There's going to put a lie detector on you. So, um, yeah, right, right. When uh, what what's the guy's name? Zan, Have Zan, you ever endorsed Steely? Zan Zanzas. What's the fucking Zaslav? Zaslav, the new Zos CEO. Zoslav, yeah. And midway through filming. <laughs> Sopranos too, before before my bit my big scene before my my role is even aired is gonna be like we found some uh, troubling <laughs> audio audio uh, recordings of you uh, yeah you saying our platform and talking about pirate and about what well, name you show up at the table read for Sopranos Endgame <laughs> and they pull you aside James Gandolfini. Walks through a portal, Staten yeah. Island forever. <laughs> yeah, God. Like Mike, some of that in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll spare you, Mike. I'm inevitable over here. <laughs> Mike, like, yeah, what's thing. the matter for you? <laughs> I am Iron Man. Eh? How about that? <laughs> All of this over some gabagool. Oh Imagine a world where James Gandolfini in the MCU. Sorry, that's a whole other episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's an entire podcast series. What that's role a, did he have played? Gandolfini could have been a good. I mean, I love D'Onofrio. Gandolfini could have been an interesting kingpin. Oh yeah, yeah about yeah. I mean, definitely, we were robbed of years of great work with his early death. You know, yeah, yeah, it's the tragedy. Yeah, also. Yeah, him like at, like not in MCU movies. It would have been cool to see him in other yeah, stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just all the stuff. But also, I mean, like, like what, like what if he was the thing? That'd yeah, be crazy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Jamie Bell. Uh, <laughs> to yeah, <laughs> to be a <laughs> just like you get. You know, it's like it's one thing if it's um. Michael Chiklis from The Shield. And it's like, oh, it's Michael fucking Chiklis. And he's actually there under all this prosthetic. It's like, okay, that's cool, I guess. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, <laughs> Jamie Bell, and it's just like, you could have been fucking anybody. <laughs> yeah. Just the CGI. CGI man, you know? <laughs> the, the thing. For more, for yeah. more on CGI Strength's Fantastic Four, we have a full episode dedicated to that. That's true. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Have you seen it, man? Josh Trank's uh, uh, no, no, dude. No. I try to avoid bad movies. Yeah, <laughs> so so do we. And yeah. Dude, good luck. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. letterbox though. Have you seen uh, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four? Well, <laughs> certainly not. I don't. Raf, uh, correct me if I'm, <laughs> I'm wrong here. I don't know if there's any appropriate combination of words in the 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 you know the human language that can ad adequately. <laughs> convey what what uh, uh viewing of that film is oh it's um it's the worst movie of all time it's that, that, oh, right. i think that oh. i think it's significant in that it shows um any aspiring filmmaker what not to do when making yeah. a movie in all so aspects. important um, yeah, yeah it's good to know what not to do absolutely as well so as what 1.4 out of 5 on letterboxd that's pretty good pretty mm. good that's pretty high. You know, okay, here's here's something actually I, I 
I was thinking about this prior to us coming into this episode. You know, I, I'm sort of, I'm, I've recently, I've, I've sort of re, reimagined how I engage with critique these days as someone in the business. And I think it's really unfortunate how scary it is, uh, and not just for actors, but for anyone who work on something, to be critical of anything, right? It's like you're not allowed to publicly say that you think something is not good. Because if you do, then they're not, nobody's going to hire you. Right. And so these days with what we're talking about with with streaming and whatnot, the people who make the things that are streaming, they're not going to fight against what's happening with it. They're going to do their best to go with the flow, because if they don't, they're not going to fucking work. Yeah. Regardless of how they feel about it. It's real. It's, you know, it's maybe really, we it's. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Go ahead, right? I'm just saying it's, it's no, go for it's, it. It's sad that. You can't publicly state how you really feel. About I'm, I'm not, no, not going to advocate. I'm not going to advocate for you for you doing that um, because I understand like the the personal like like business decision that you're making. But like in a way, isn't it kind of important for let's say someone like Martin Scorsese to when he's talking to execs at Netflix to tell them that you know, XYZ movies that they have on their platform currently streaming are trash and why they're trash. Um, Because if he, if he doesn't, and, you know, let's say it's a, an up and coming filmmaker who simply says like, you know, is afraid to to sort of do that. And they say, everything that that's here is amazing. Everything that you've made is absolutely wonderful and it's perfect. And then there's, there's no honest dialogue in terms of like how we can all collectively make something that is better than what we were making before. And if, we are within the industry afraid to like have those difficult conversations because we like the execs and studios at large are simply making decisions for the bottom line purposes. And that solely then like in a way, like maybe we're just as bad as these computer algorithms that we're railing against. You're absolutely fucking right. Um, And I agree with you completely. I wish I had the balls. I don't. I don't have the balls. I wish I did. I'm not in a place to have the balls. Even if I were in a place to have the balls, I'd still feel like I didn't have the balls. But what you're saying is totally true. Um, except the people, the people that uh, the actors or filmmakers that are at the caliber where they don't need the balls to say these things, whether they're going to instill a change or not, They won't because they don't want to rock the boat because why would they want to rock the boat in the boat with them is the money that the people that they'd be rocking the boat of have put in there. So what the fuck? Yeah, but all art comes from all all art has come from rocking boats. Yes, of course. No, I, I, I I agree with the Renaissance would not exist without people rocking boats. You know, I I, I agree with you completely, but it, it it is so easy you, you you know it's so easy these days especially with social media and reporting of everything for a director an actor any any variation of filmmaker 
to be dropped like that. And I guess you could argue, well, it's like, oh, if you're at the point in your career where it's public enough that you're being dropped, you'll probably be fine anyway, maybe. But people are scared of that shit. Um, they just want to work again, you know? Um, so it, it, it just sucks. It's like this, this, this curated bubble of fear where it's like you do what you're told and you promote the fucking product. Like the actors and actresses in Marvel movies, when you sign the contract to do fucking 59 films until you die or whatever, you're, you're also being like, Oh, I'll, I'll tour and I'll promote this, uh, fucking wherever I'll go to, I'll go to fucking Rhode Island. <laughs> I'll fucking tell, go, go, go watch, go watch the, the Marvels. Sacrifice. <laughs> go watch it. Go watch my movie. I haven't seen it. I'm not going to see it. Go watch it. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I'm being, I'm being exaggerated and hyperbolic, but the, the truth is, is that there, there's not, if you want to work in this business, in the caliber of these people, ra rarely can you have those conversations and not be ostracized. Not saying that I condone that, but it is fucking true. It's, it, it just, it, it really is. Um, and it's unfortunate. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm not, I don't disagree with you. I think you're absolutely right. I think good art comes from those conversations and something that's not really on track to ultimately end up as a well-made product could become a well-made product. If the people working on it have those conversations, but nobody's going to care to nine times out of 10 these days because they're getting paid anyway. And if they well, do have the conversation, it turns out shit anyway. Oh, maybe they won't get cast again or hired again because they had that conversation and they pissed off a producer or whatever. That that fear is exactly what we've been talking about <clears throat> this entire episode of um, of everything being a, a business decision as opposed to an artistic you know choice. Um, sure. If everyone is fearful of what the execs might do in re in retaliation for um, you know saying something bad about a previous project or whatever. Um, then that just doesn't cultivate like uh, uh, a culture of, of of good, cool art making and art sculpting. It just Absolutely. It allows us to continue to to fart out the same algorithms that are shit. Because if we're still just you know farting those out and the money's still coming in and no one's telling uh, the fart computer that it sucks and it smells bad, then we're gonna get more stinky farts. Uh, well, well, what we're seeing actually, Raph, is the opposite of that, where um, companies are really actively trying to shape a culture where, uh, you know, a, a, around kind of an, an emperor's uh, new clothes kind of thing, where just like, oh, the fart computer made something again. I love that smell, right? Where like literally media companies are being like, are being shaped and incentivized to love and get off on the smells that the fart computer makes. Um, I, I, I will not divulge my sources. I literally know, I know this, um, that there is a movie called They Them. It's a, it's a horror movie and it's coming out on Peacock or whatever. Um, lots and lots and lots and lots of real critics hate it, right? And they have for weeks and they've been talking about it. 
Um, it's like, it's very representational. It's got Kevin Bacon. It's like, it's dealing with gay conversion <laughs> or whatever. Um, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of zeitgeisty shits happening and, and, and representational, right? It's like, oh, touching on these very sensitive issues or whatever. Gay critics, liberated qu- critics, uh, forward-thinking artistic critics, lots of people hate it. Lots of media are not going to be out and about with they them sucks, right? Um, that's not going to be the headline in a lot of tweets or a lot of content mill articles. Peacock pays a lot of fucking money to companies, right? It just It just buys a lot of advertisements on shit, right? Um, you're going to see big banners saying, oh, catch they, them on Peacock or whatever. Catch what, catch anything that's on Peacock, right? The incentives are there to be like, um, the very fact that it's coming out of the content mill, right? These content delivery systems, um, the fart machine, right? The fart machine is making its own reality where no one is allowed to criticize it. And if they are, and if they do criticize it, then it must be done very silently. It must be done privately. It has to be between friends and it can't be two mass audiences, right? So, I mean, we're just going to see that more and more, right? Like, that's literally what we're talking about with Discovery. Like, how many shows does Discovery have? A gajillion, obviously. How many places does Discovery advertise those shows on? A gajillion, obviously. So what's going to happen when there's a bad HBO show or a bad HBO movie or a bad original Discovery movie? Um, because all of those movies are now Discovery movies. Um, we're going to see those sites being like, mm, Discovery, it paid my light bill this month. What am I going to do? I can't say this thing sucks. Um, well, it's like, well, that's your job, man. Like, if you're going to be on the street, if you're afraid to be on the street because you're because you're not going to say something sucks, you're not you're in the wrong business, man. Right? Just fucking go there. Fucking eat the du- eat the dust. Um, you know, sit in the dog shit or whatever. But like, have a spine. Uh, just because that's what you got to do. And I, I, obviously that's very unrealistic and unreasonable to say to someone, but that's just like, but every time that happens, every time the fart machine has that victory, right? It, 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 it's, it's, it's literally quantifiable that the, that victory goes in one direction and defeat goes in the other, right? The, the, the tug of war between having a, a successful and interesting and insightful culture versus uh a totally dead, bland, commodified one, right? Like, you know, it's just, it's something that you can measure. And we're going to see that, you know, measuring how we're doing or whatever, measuring the effect and the, um, and the reach of the fart machine, right? We're, we're, we're only going to see that grow, right? We're, the, the accountants are very good at their jobs and they're demonstrating that every day. More farts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're great at getting the farts where it needs to be. And, um, you know, I really don't anticipate, uh, you know, really any mitigation at all on their success in the near future, for sure. Just because they've stacked the deck, right? All of these media things, um, you know, uh, th- this very conversation that we're having about um, the way that the industry disincentivizes those conversations, um, you know, yeah, I'm, it, it, it's quite upsetting. I mean, this whole this whole episode has been like kind of a an, an 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 elegy for that kind of thinking. And, and they're all prepped to meet that when yeah. people have balls to say it. Right? Think yeah. about the director of She Hulk responding to people saying that they don't think the CGI looks good. Yeah, he turned that into a conversation about her sexuality. Yeah, her, objectifying her body or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's not at all what people are saying. 
Yes. But because he shifted it like that, nobody can be like, oh, you're wrong. Based on what he's saying, you have to be like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what we said. And you're on the defensive, you know, you have to defend yeah. your criticism. Yeah. Right? If right. you're explaining, you're losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a right, point. exactly. Damn, bro. That's how they get us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Thanks, just to have the, the bullet points. Um, you know, we, we don't, our bullet points aren't as, aren't as punchy as theirs. We say we like things messy and contradictory, and it's okay if they require a little explanation, whereas they're about um, just getting the headlines or whatever, right? Just like uh, making sure the every pitch is an elevator pitch, and that um, and that every decision you make can be aligned to kind of one side of the cultural conflict or the other, um, and there's not really a lot of thought about the future or like creating a new culture or um, fighting to sustain cultural attitudes that we feel are more healthy than what we've got now. You know, we just like, we're, we're constantly kind of like two or three battles behind. I, I feel like, I feel like they're really good at like keeping us off balance mm-hmm. and making sure that we're kind of responding to whatever new thing is happening as opposed to like being able to um, create a, a campaign or like a, or like a base of support that people can kind of align themselves with in a way that's like, that's just as straightforward as anything that they're pushing. Right. They really, they love winning on the, well, this is just more, more straightforward kind of front. You know, I find it pretty frustrating. We need our own fart machine. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We need, we need a fart machine that smells great and is a force for good. Yeah. Um, Crowdsourced. Yeah. Dude, we let's, let's do it next, next week on straight to DVD. (laughs) Building a better fart machine. I think it was alluded to, but next next week on Straight to DVD is is going to be a uh, prey. So that'll I be something it. to to look forward to. Um, yeah. That yeah. will be part of that. It will hopefully be part of the the good fart machine. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited. So I mean, just yeah, maybe it's, what, it's it's what we got. So I'll, we'll do I'll what we can. Be, it's it's a little rude of me. I almost said like to why this little film is as good as it is. It's rude of me to say that. But in the grand scheme of things, it is. It's this this wonderful little right, That's and of course, it's, it's, it's larger than so many things. In as much as it's tied into a franchise and a corporate mm-hmm. identity or whatever, um, but we're just we're being practical and we're working with what we have. So it's we're in, doing it's, it's you're saying like it's the David and Goliath thing. It pulls back to what we were talking about before. We we like to root for the little guy, you know. I suppose, or well, maybe that's the reverse, but um, <laughs> like. You know, we want to root for the little guy, and and we feel like stuff that is creative or has vision, like even if it has a big budget, we still say like this nice, like this little thing that someone tried to do. It's like we're using a little. It's like it's an endearing term, which I think is is an interesting way of looking at. It. I guess that's how I th- the movies that I've liked recently, I would kind of think of that way. It's like it's this precious little thing, and I'm just so happy that it's there. I don't know. I look, um, look, man. I th- uh, fucking small focused shit. It's good. <laughs> so good. I don't need. I don't need to spend eighteen dollars in a theater full of two hundred people who are kicking the back of my seat and screaming, and laughing to have a good time. I don't need two hundred million dollars to have Josh Brolin be purple in front of me for me to appreciate a story. I don't. Uh, yeah. I'll take I don't a, need, yeah. 
I was going to say, I'll take a, I'll take a weird swing on something like, uh, like Nope that we talked about last week. Like, even if you don't dig Nope, um, just the fact that it's by a director who had an idea and wanted to see it through. Same with Prey, same with Old. It's the same with a lot of movies that aren't being seen by as many people as they should be seen by, um, or like being seen by enough people generate more movies like it where we will then get something that is amazing. Um, like old wasn't great. Last night in Soho wasn't great. Nope. Isn't great. Um, all these, all these things, but they will, the Northman wasn't great, but if we continue to make movies like that, eventually one of them will be fucking amazing. And all of those other ones will have been worth it. But I fear that we're starting to miss out more and more on, yeah, on movies absolutely. like, like Prey. Uh, I think to have a good time, I need more people doing weirder things rather than fewer people doing less weird things. Uh, and that's, that's definitely the trend that we're seeing, right? It's really just about the numbers, the numbers of production companies, right? The kinds of budgets that interest them at all. Um, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing big bloater productions and we're seeing much, much more consolidation. So it's just like, you know, kind of pick your, pick your history that you want written down, right? Did you, did you embrace the consolidation and the, the monotony of everything, right? The monotony of the culture that you find yourself living in, or did you advocate for more space for more people to tell more stories that look different at all from each other, right? That distinguish themselves from each other. That it was a crowded space full of dis- uh, full of distinction, right? Did you want distinction and did you celebrate it or did you clap like a seal whenever something came out and didn't distinguish it at all? You know, just like, that's the choice, guys. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I... Yeah, I mean, I think I said this to the group chat after I watched Prey. I was like, it's not. <laughs> Why the fuck are we still talking about Prey? I can't, because it's the mo- it's the biggest reference point, point I have. I think, uh, I think just wrap it. At this all right. Point. We're at one, we're at 145. Oh, yeah, we got it. We got to stop. We, we, yeah. Look. You want. <laughs> you want shit to be better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Stop watching everything else, dude. <laughs> Stop watching it. Stop. Go out and make it. Go yeah. go outside. Watch old movies and then make movies like those. Yes. I don't need. I don't want it. Look, I swear to God, <laughs> when I go on YouTube tomorrow to to fucking. Listen to the music that I don't want to buy. <laughs> if I see a fucking thumbnail about Stranger Things six theories, I'm out. You're gonna. <laughs> I'm out. They're I'm coming. Out. I mean, I'm gonna watch it, but you know. <laughs> Anyways, I don't. Uh, what can I tell you? Yeah. This is. We can't do anything. We're we're yeah. we're a couple of dudes who think one way, and nobody fucking cares. We don't. Yeah. We don't have money. We can't make yeah. this. <laughs> can't make any of this. Lord knows, if we did have money, we would be making cool shit. Yeah. Like, if we yeah. had won that lottery, yeah, Morbius oh Two God. would have been coming. All viewers are free to give us money. 
Oh, if, yeah. If you want to see quality fucking, if you want to see fucking Godfather 4. Yeah. <laughs> the Sopranos 2. Yeah. Morbius 2. Yeah. Venmo. What a Soprano. <laughs> Venmoas. $200 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're, yeah. we're 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 waiting by the phone. HBO Do Plus. <laughs> yeah, we're doing our next our next episode is gonna be a fucking telethon. We're raising yeah, money thanks. for for uh, a bunch of dudes in a group chat who think that they can make cool shit. It's yeah, yeah. foolproof. HBO Do give us two hundred million dollars, a great director, a great writing team, a fantastic cast of actors, superb wardrobe team. Fantastic makeup department, excellent cinematographers, location scouters, and we'll do the rest. <laughs> yeah, that's how or, we're gonna we're gonna edit it. I think we need we need fantastic editors too. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah. no, 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 maybe a catering, maybe a catering yeah, team. Yeah. yeah, and crafty. Yeah, craft Fans. services. Yeah, get some yeah. crafty. Yeah, an art yeah. an art direction team. Probably some marketers um, to help us distribute it and everything yeah. and get the word out there. Decent some executives um, we will tell do... us that it's, that it's too weird. Yeah. We will we will do everything else. We'll do the yeah. rest of the work. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. They'll, they'll all do what they're supposed to do, and we'll tell them if they're right or not. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to make our own fart. It's true. And we want help everybody us to make, make better farts. Yeah. <laughs> our fart is better than yours. That's the title of the episode. I can teach you, but I'd have yeah. to charge. Yeah. <laughs> Our farts bring everyone to the yard. Uh, <laughs> my milk farts bring all the boys to the yard. Yeah, my milk. Oh, well, I was gonna say my farts, my, face, but 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 my milk. <laughs> my milk fart. Okay, straight to DVD episode a thousand milk fart. <laughs> were you were you gonna go with fart shakes? Uh, fart shakes also works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what fart works. shakes bring all the boys to the yard? Yeah. Uh, well, the one thing you could say about the fart you guys got any plugs? would not produce this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this this is good art. We are we are fart. This episode yeah. is is the fart machine without the F. Yeah, this straight up. This fart, fart smells great. <laughs> Gentlemen, our very special guests, Shamos Brown and Fernando Bowles, our illustrious hosts, Rastet, Michael Rocco. We love I, them so much. I want to thank you guys for joining us. You don't have to plug yourselves, but. It- but if you no, want to, no, please I, feel I, free. Let us I'm know not, who I'm you are, where you can be found, what your social yeah. is, and what your address is. Let's hear it. Well, what's your gamer tag? My gamer tag is Irish T. Sometimes there's an underscore there. Um, you, my name's Sean Welsh Brown. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Welsh Brown. Uh, I'm a software developer and voiceover artist. Uh, I usually don't post about film related things but hey maybe you'll maybe there'll be something maybe this will be the first the second or the third. yeah yeah sure it's all the firm machine um i'm fernando and every week i plug my letterbox because it's the only place that anything's happening for me because movies are kind of an isolated discussion to have right everyone's having their own journey everyone's seeing their own stuff i like seeing what everyone else has seen i like talking about it so follow me in letterboxd fd pictures 
and follow the hosts, of course. Work and stream the DVD, be fine, guys. Dogs. Thank you guys for joining. This has been a, a very fun um, discussion. I think we've I think we've solved most of the issues in yeah, the yeah. industry <laughs> in the last uh last Our hours of analysis. Four D. After two hours of work, we're cleansed, dude. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. wake up tomorrow. Dude. Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be better. It's gonna be totally fine. I'm gonna <laughs> love my job. I'm gonna podcast all. All right, take care, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll do. I'll. I like to plug myself. Yeah, plug yourself, um, dude. I told you to. <laughs> it sounds hot. Plugging yes. yourself. Um, yeah. Well, I'm I Raf. Raf. I can be. I can be found on Twitter at Raf's and on Instagram. Same handle and on Letterbox, it's at Rapstead everywhere. I'm flustered. I'm thinking about plugging myself. Um, <laughs> Michael, flustered. who the hell are you, dude? dude? I'll plug. I'll, dude, I'll plug myself in front of you right now. I, so I'm Michael. Yeah, <laughs> I can be found on 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 Letterbox and Twitter at Michael underscore Rocco. That's R U O C C O. I can also be found on Instagram at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's R U O C C O underscores in the middle and at the end. You can also find. Both Raph and myself and our wonderful guests on the pod proper. Oh, you already plugged Dude, it. Wait, wait. Yeah. No, no, I didn't already plug it, but you missed a huge plug. Oh, on Insta, you can see Barada. I'll, oh, post, I'll repost be, it. There will be Barada. I was talking about the, sh- I was talking about the show. Oh! You <laughs> plugged the show. Oh, no. There will the be other show. Anybody, anybody, no, anybody your, your who's other, still... Your other Anybody who's still listening, <laughs> uh, I I like Sean Walsh Brown here. I too am a voiceover actor and a regular actor as well. They're the same thing, really. It's the same kind of work. Um, but my voiceover work recently has been featured in this very popular YouTube series called Hell of a Boss. Uh, season two just started. It features the voice of many wonderful voiceover actors. The the one you probably recognize the most is Richard Horvitz, the voice of Invader Zim. And many, many other very popular characters who you probably would have no idea was him, but it is actually him. Lovely man, lovely cast, lovely crew. The show's great. Check it out. It's on YouTube. It's free. Hell of a boss. Check it out. I'm in episode six of the first season. You may see me again, or rather hear me again, in one of the episodes this season. I'm, I don't believe I'm legally allowed to say one way or the other, so <laughs> you'll have to tune in and find out. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And you can find straight to DVD proper <laughs> on, yeah. on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and wherever you find your podcasts at straight to DVD pod. That's the number two straight to DVD pod. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a particularly long discussion. Once again, I want to thank Sean and Fernando for joining us. It is always a pleasure to have our friends here to discuss things with us. Uh, I, as always, have had a blast. So thank you. And Raph, my co-host, thank you as well. As always, gentlemen. Pleasure. Pleasure. Happy farting. Yeah, ha- happy farting, dude. Maybe we fart Always. again. Yeah. <laughs> fart in health. Sopranos 2, fart harder. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's it. Sopranos 2, fart game. Cut, cut into that at fart harder. Avengers 2, fart game. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, that's the one. Yeah, there you go.